Hi, everybody. This is Mark Iskowitz. I'm executive editor at MMNM, and welcome again to the special edition of the MMNM podcast. Where we're recording live at the Health Conference in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'm uh, very pleased to welcome my guest uh, for this uh, segment, Dan Trigub. Am I pronouncing your last name that right? Was, that was very good. Good. Uh, <laughs> well, with a last name like Iskowitz, I have to be good at pronunciations, as you'd imagine. I actually went to high school with an Iskowitz. No, you're not kidding. Yeah, David Iskowitz. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that later. <laughs> okay, it's, it's a very small world. Uh, so Dan is head of Uber Health. Yes. He was also uh, one of the 2019 inductees of MMNM's Healthcare Transformers. Uh, so uh, very pleased again to, to have you here uh, joining us in the AKA, AKA The Fishbowl, otherwise known as our podcasting studio. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, so you know, basically, uh, or first off the bat, let's just get your general impressions of health. I know you were a speaker, yes. so, so you're not only a, uh, an attendee. Uh, you know, give, give us your, your take on, on the whole uh, festivities here. Yeah, no, I think they're doing a great job with the event. This is actually my second year, so this okay. is the second year of health, and I was here last year. Uh, I should note I was here wearing a different color. I, I actually worked for the other rideshare company before oh. I, I joined the team at Uber. Um, but the conference was great last year. Actually, uh, Lauren Steingold, who's on our Uber Health team, mm -hmm. she was one of the founding members, actually the founding member of Uber Health. Uh, she gave a great panel last year. Unfortunately, she's on a panel this week at the Milken Institute. Okay. Uh, so she couldn't make it. Uh, so I kind of stepped in for her for some of our uh, speaking sessions. But uh, the conference has been great. I think they've done a great job uh, bringing some great minds in healthcare uh, to this event and really tried to kind of up-level it from maybe some of the more kind of mundane or other types of events that are out there that aren't as exciting per mm -hmm. se. Uh, so I think they've done a really good job. Absolutely. There's no shortage of events, but I think yes. the, the value proposition for health is to be that end-all be-all. Yep. And judging from the crowd here, you know, they're doing a pretty good job. Agreed. And I've used both ride-sharing services, you know, Lyft and Uber, and I can say they're well, hopefully they're now more more Uber than. <laughs> we'll see after this <laughs> podcast. Uh, okay, so um, let's get into it. Uh, um, obviously, your your tagline is igniting better health outcomes, right? By enabling transportation. So, talk about how Uber's you know bringing healthcare to the mainstream. I know you you announced the new uh, initiative actually today in terms of an integration with uh, EHR provider Cerner. Yes. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I think just a step back for a second. There is so much that our company can do for our aging, low-income, and at-risk population. And I think for me, I've been at the intersection. Now, I've been in healthcare for over 10 years. I've been at the intersection of rideshare and healthcare for over three years now, uh, where I've hmm. you know, committed my career to really building this, this platform. And I think three years ago, even last year at Health, the conversation was, you know, what the heck is Uber doing in healthcare, right? You're, you're just taking a millennial to a bar in downtown New York City. But, but that couldn't be further from the truth. I think with our growing aging population, I think with the needs uh, of, of, of our, those with chronic conditions, transportation is so critical. Uh, and I think, you know, for us at Uber, it's how do we leverage this platform, this ecosystem, this infrastructure we have, uh, and it's beyond just even moving people, right? Look at Uber Eats, uh, the largest meal delivery platform in the world outside of China. Many Medicare Advantage plans and payers are paying for meal and grocery delivery. Uh, when I look at things like DME and pharmaceutical delivery, how can we leverage this logistics platform? Right now, today, we're laser focused on moving people. Um, and for us, you know, we want to be good stewards in the communities we operate in. And I think uh, there is much that my team and I can do when it comes to improving health outcomes uh, and really uh, helping our most underserved populations. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, yeah, uh, you know, to to hear about the integration with Cerner yep. uh, and you're, you're working with Baycare now. 
it's kind of proof that you know when we say Uber Health, we're not just talking about grandma, you know, calling up and ordering yep. a ride to her doctor visit. This is integrated in a sort of more of a B two B play, right? That's right. So, so just to kind of make sure the audience is clear, we're not leveraging the same consumer product or the platform that you might be familiar with when you open up an Uber app. Uh, Uber Health is its own standalone business entity. It was built under the Uber umbrella. But we really built a platform with HIPAA controls in place designed for healthcare professionals. And the core platform essentially allows anyone, a care provider, healthcare administrator, a health plan, to order a ride on behalf of the people that they care for. So you mentioned Baycare, who's one of our uh, longstanding Uber Health partners. Baycare, 15 hospital health system in Central Florida. We partnered with them and they used the Uber Health platform. So I'm a care manager that works at Baycare. Mm -hmm. The old way was, here's a taxi voucher to the patient at discharge. Good luck, walk right. to the valet and be on your way. Providers have recognized they can reduce length of stay and have more patient throughput if they can offer transportation and if they can get those patients in and out mm -hmm. faster, more efficiently. Mm -hmm. So that was the old way. The new way is we empower them with our tool and that healthcare coordinator, a case manager, can now in less than a few seconds order a ride on behalf of the person that they care for. Mm -hmm. They don't need a smartphone, don't need an Uber app. The value proposition is that we are 30 to 40% more cost effective than traditional transportation options. We reduce waste, fraud, and abuse. Uh, the issues that we see is when they give a taxi voucher, for example, they have no idea where they really went when they got discharged from the hospital. Now they can track that through our platform. And then finally, and there's been studies around this, Boston Medical Center published a study recently, we see higher MPS scores with patients that have access to rideshare relative to other forms of transportation. So Baycare has been a longstanding partner of ours. And how I describe it is uh, the care manager at Baycare has been on this swivel chair. They're in the Uber Health platform, they swivel their chair and then they go to Cerner, which is where you know, their electronic health record, where they spend most of their day uh, coordinating all their patient information. With this integration now, we removed that swivel chair, and now care coordinators in there, that EHR workflow can order those same rides, but have that, that workflow and connection, that interoperability mm -hmm. with, their, uh, with their EHR, and we think that'll create uh, much more value to our partners. Baycare this year will do uh, over 22,000 rides uh, with Uber Health uh, in just a few of their systems and departments. And now their entire system and, and many other hospitals will have access to us through through the Cerner integration. Sure. Um, yeah, it's um, really a, a sign of, uh, of traction um, that, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing social determinants of health yes. become uh, integrated into a doctor's workflow workflow and, through and that I, integration. And you just talked about social determinants. I was with the CFO of a large health system recently, and they are literally looking at paying to get people to church, to social activity, because they know that uh, they, that will have greater health outcomes when they consider and, and think through all the different types of things that are important to that patient. And I think now what's really changed is that the data, and there's efficacy studies around this, that has really proved, I mean, it's all kind of intuitive, you know, like mm -hmm. helping somebody get to social activity or helping someone get to a fitness center. Yeah, it's intuitive that that should hopefully impact their well-being. But I think now a lot more data has been published uh, and people are starting to realize this when we look at value-based care, that all these other adjacencies are extremely important. 
and many health systems and providers and payers are now covering all these things mm -hmm. and transportation is core to much of it. And you're not just providing that integration, but you're also tracking how it gets used you know, to, to make sure that on the other end, that you know what used to be a voucher and good luck now is actually electronically redeemed and then you can track on the other end, you know, better outcomes, whether it's cost of care or, you know, ER visits or whatever metric, you know, you're, you're focused on. And, and the, the only thing I would just say to that, it's our partners who can now track okay, that, sure. right? So we don't, uh, we don't hold the data or, or want to be, uh, you know, a custodian of that sure, data. That data fair, is fair. our is our partners, and they right. can absolutely do a lot of a lot of uh, analysis with that data. Mm -hmm. I think with uh, EHRs in general around meaningful use and showing an ROI or value to the EHR. Now with transportation, the data that can be provided around no-shows and missed appointments, uh, they can really quantify an ROI uh, with something as simple as transportation. You know, when we offer this transportation benefit, do they actually take it? Do they show up? Do they not miss their appointment? Um, and there's a lot of really good data out there to be, uh, to be had. And you're talking in the language of an IDN, you know, with yep. net promoter scores and interoperability. Yes. And being able to, to increase ROI and, and lower the cost of care. So. Um, would this be the biggest sign you think of kind of healthcare thinking in a more holistic fashion? We, we around with social determinants and or in, in general. In, when you say the biggest sign, with like you know, in terms of the an, an evolutionary signal yep. that we're making progress in taking a more holistic view of healthcare, not just prescribing somebody a pill, but thinking about the social milieu yes. they're in and all those uh, antecedents uh, that that need to be in place for the patient to do well. Yeah, I mean, I think this whole holistic approach to care um, is extremely important, and I think we're going to see more and more of an evolution around what more can we provide to our patient population, to our member population. You know, transportation is just one small piece of it, uh, but it's also things like getting access to hot, healthy meals, uh, addressing food insecurities. Uh, you know, us, we, we just announced a partnership with Feeding America, uh, where Uber Health is committing a million dollars to Feeding America, and really helping people access uh, food and and, 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 and you know, with that infrastructure we have that no other organization really has like us, and we're very unique, there's much we can do uh, when it comes to meal delivery or DME or pharmaceutical delivery as well. Mm -hmm. um, you, do, you do that as well. So that's something that we're absolutely thinking about. Uh, and okay. we're, um, you know, we definitely see that our evolution, the future, and mm -hmm. progressing in those areas. Um, you know, right now today we're laser focused on moving people, um, but I think uh, there's a lot we can do beyond just that. Sure, and uh, you know, was uh, able to hear uh, uh, Bernard Tyson, Dr. Bernard Tyson, mm -hmm. CEO of uh, Kaiser Permanente, and he no noted earlier that they're scaling up their CalFresh program this yep. year. They feel like they have the technological infrastructure to really scale it up now, and I think they started with like 200,000 uh, people um, in the state, and um, you know he also spoke this morning and he opened up his talk with a video about housing insecurity, ended his talk with a video about food insecurity. Yep. And in the middle, you know, he would say his, he had a quote, you know, it, it, it doesn't make much sense to give a patient a thousand dollar pill if they can't take it. Right. So, you know, this is one of the major building blocks of Kaiser and they're an IDN. So it makes yep. sense. They get their money up front. So they're going to push people toward screenings, toward these social determinants of health as well. Um, but I guess maybe the surest sign will be it proliferating throughout the rest of the, of the system yep. as well. And uh, you know, you hinted at this, but where do you see social determinants kind of expanding or evolving next? Yeah, I mean, I think more and more payers are are thinking again about that holistic approach and what more can they provide to their members. I think you know, Medicare Advantage plans in particular have been very forward uh, thinking around addressing various social determinants of health. 
Um, I think we're starting to see more and more incorporate things like transportation as a covered benefit. Um, and we're also seeing a, a strong push for Medicaid plans as well to really incorporate. I mean, they, they have been incorporating transportation for a long time, but now it's really how do we leverage things like rideshare and Uber to really have that impact. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of progression being made there as well on the Medicaid front. And Uber Eats as well, as you mentioned, you know, offering assistance on the food and security front. Uh, I think that, you know, Kaiser for one is going to be looking at, you know, who to, you know, vendors that can yep. kind of provide that. So, um, and then you also told me during the prep session for this, that there's been some progress on the state legislative yep. uh, level uh, that is also very encouraging to hear. Yeah, so I think uh, for those who are not as familiar with Medicaid transportation, uh, about 1% of all Medicaid spent today is for non-emergency medical transportation. Now, it's a small piece of the overall budget. It's about $4 billion is spent on transportation by Medicaid. The one thing I would note, though, it's one of the highest areas of grievances and complaints by Medicaid members. So you can imagine someone who's on Medicaid, they don't get a ride to their doctor's office or the driver shows hours or days uh, late. Uh, that can create a, quite a stir. Uh, so Medicaid has been very progressive always around non-emergency medical transportation. The regulations for the acronym is NEMT for non-emergency medical transportation. Mm -hmm. NEMT regulations were written before rideshare ever existed. So CMS put out guidance and the states and the state Medicaid directors implemented programs that required things like fingerprinting and drug testing of drivers, things that no rideshare company uh, will do. Uh, and for a variety of reasons, we think the background screening and the checks we have in place uh, are sometimes even better than current standards. Okay. And the analogy is in 2009, when Uber first started, there was maybe three or four cities or states that allowed rideshare to operate. Now, fast forward to 2019, we have pretty much regs and laws passed in every city and state for rideshare. What we're now starting to see is this groundswell of states changing their Medicaid regulations to allow rideshare to be a big player in that space. Florida, Texas, and Arizona have recently passed uh, regulations where now rideshare can perform those Medicaid trips. Arizona has been one of the most progressive states. Uh, Jamie Snyder, their state Medicaid director, uh, she was just quoted recently, 15% of all Medicaid trips in Arizona are serviced by rideshare and the vast majority by Uber Health and our partnerships with those uh, companies in Arizona that, that manage those trips. Um, and we, and not to get too much into the weeds, uh, but historically there are these transportation managers that manage that benefit for the state. And we are partnering with many of those managers, companies like American Logistics Company, who is a national transportation broker. Um, and now we can service these trips through these partnerships that we have uh, and many other states we believe will follow. Uh, so I think you know, the tides are really shifting. Now people understand the whole rideshare model and the platform we have and things that we can do around reducing waste, fraud and abuse, saving the system cost and providing a better experience with our ETAs and our, and our great coverage that we have. So um, I think as I, as I like to tell my team, you know, we're the first pitch of the first inning still. There's still a lot of work to be done, but I think um, you know, we're, we're excited by, by the future. Yeah, great. And you know, I, I know Kaiser, for one, works with Unite Us, which is yes. a social determinants of health we platform. Know them well. yep. So how, do your APIs work with them, or their APIs work with your platform, and how does that work? Yeah, so Unite Us is an amazing organization uh, started by former vets, mm -hmm. uh, an Air Force pilot, actually, uh, and we know them well, mm -hmm. and absolutely looking at ways to leverage our APIs and our open platform where they can embed 
our infrastructure, the Uber Health platform, which is HIPAA, you know, built with these HIPAA controls that can really empower them to better serve their their partners, whether Kaiser, uh, the VA, or others, whoever they work with. In um, North Carolina, yes, a big pilot with them. Yeah, end of the day, for us, it really doesn't matter, uh, you know, where the ride comes from. Uh, if it's through us directly, if it's through Cerner, if it's through another partner, uh, American Logistics right. Company as another partner. Um, end of the day we believe we have the best solution for curb to curb ambulatory transportation mm -hmm. uh, and, and actually in some markets we also have wheelchair accessible vehicles and we also have a driver network that can do door to door transportation so we are also looking at how we can increase our service levels and provide higher levels of, of, of service and for higher acuity patients um, but I'd say you know today the vast majority of our work is curb to curb transportation Okay, one of the uh, kind of um, topics that I've written about which was my way in, if you will, to the social determinants of health uh, uh, area was, uh, should every drug have a social strategy to it? Probably should, right? Yep. As, you know, if we take Dr. Tyson's word, uh, at his word. Um, have you seen any interests from the life sciences industry in getting involved, partnering, uh, in, in this aspect of rideshare? You know, I think in the life sciences industry in particular, uh, we've been doing quite a bit of work around clinical trials. Um, oh, sure, sure. When you think about patient recruitment and retention, uh, it's only as, you know, a trial is only as good as that person showing up to take their medication. So when you think about med adherence uh, and really showing the efficacy of a trial, you got to make sure they show up uh, for that trial. So I think we're doing some work with some large pharmaceutical companies and CROs as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you know, there's, there's a big uh, value proposition I think we can offer. End of the day, this isn't, you know, to be frank, this isn't rocket science, right? We're not talking about, you know, blockchain or AI or some like crazy idea. It's something as simple as getting somebody to the care they need. Um, and I think transportation is at the core of, of a lot of it. And I think with our, especially with our growing aging population, I think taking away the car keys from mom or dad or grandparents, one of the most difficult conversations. And when we also look at our growing aging population, 10,000 people a day turn 65, that's gonna happen for the next 20 years. We're gonna have more people over the age of 65 than we've ever had in the history of our civilization. Um, and I think when you think about social isolation, lack of independence, you know, transportation is core uh, to that. Mm -hmm. Great, so before I let you go, I can't uh, release you until I get your takeaways uh, from HLTH uh, for when you head back to San Francisco, uh, corporate headquarters, you know, what kind of ideas or anecdotes uh, that are going to stick with you. What are you going to take back home with you? Yeah, I think conferences like this and conversations that we have here always continue to validate that uh, healthcare is difficult. Uh, as a large healthcare organization, one, an executive there once told me, TTT, uh, -t -t, things take time. And that's kind of mm -hmm. when a big healthcare organization tells you that that's, as a motto, that you know it's you know, a much different industry. So I think um, you know, conversations here just further validate that you know, it's, it's, it's a very complex problems that we're trying to solve and uh, it certainly takes a lot of time and I think these problems are only going to continue to exacerbate uh, themselves right with our growing aging population sure. with Medicare Medicaid funding dwindling down over the next couple of years I think the biggest thing at least from my perspective are things and themes around interoperability uh, patient data uh, owning that data and being able to take it with you I think you know uh, there's a lot to be said there um, you know for us in particular the things I'm taking back to my team are really around uh, continuing to push, not to be discouraged by that, that motto of TTT. And I think um, there's a lot of work to still be done. And, you know, we're certainly excited. And, you know, these conversations we have here certainly reignite those, uh, that, that passion of ours. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dan. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got to enjoy the rest of the show. Yep. Take it easy. You too. Thanks.